Hey, Malachi here, pastor and founder of Last Word Ministry, and welcome to our podcast. I pray that what you hear will encourage, enlighten, and enrich your life. You know, it's our endeavor to share a word with you that will help you to live hope and change, to draw you closer to our Heavenly Father, as well as strengthen your walk with Christ, using the Word of God as our foundation. I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing our podcast with others. And now, here's today's message. Welcome. This is Life's Word Podcast. And yes, indeed, I am your host, Pastor Malachi. I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners all over the country, all over the world. Of course, the United States is listening. But a big shout out to Ireland. Ireland, hey, I send you greetings in the name of the Lord. Philippines, I see you, Philippines. Australia, Oh, you're in the house. Hong Kong, you're in the house as well. South Africa, I see you over there. Japan, Mexico, United Kingdom, Thailand, and Germany. Thank you guys so much for listening and following the podcast each week. And I'm praying for each and every one of you that God will continue to bless you in a special way that he will meet your needs. I thank you and appreciate your love and your support. All right, with that, let's talk about something that we all need to exercise a little bit more, and that's faith. I know myself. I talk about faith, and I try my best to demonstrate faith, but at times, faith can be shaken. It can be tried. We're going to talk about now faith, vision to see the invisible future. Now faith, vision to see the invisible future. How's your faith? You have strong faith? Do you believe that what you put your heart and mind to, it will come to pass? Do you believe that when you pray for it, that God will bring it to pass? Well, Hebrews 11 and 1, I call the faith book, the faith chapter, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11. But we're going to start with a very familiar scripture, and that's Hebrews 11 and 1. King James Virgin says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I like the English Standard Version and how it tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Are you sure of what you hope for? And are you certain of what you do not see? You know, I've heard that the book of Hebrews 11 is often called the Hall of Faith. Now, those of you that follow and have an understanding of sports, and even if you don't, I'm sure you've heard of the phrase, the Hall of Fame. 
It's where those that have performed in such a way that their peers have selected them over all of their teammates as the very best of the best. So they're entered into the Hall of Fame. Well, in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews summarizes an initial list of heroes, the men and women of faith who triumphed in their own lifetimes. Abel, by faith, offered up a more excellent sacrifice than his own brother Cain. Enoch, by faith, walked with God and never looked back because the Bible said God took him. Can you imagine having a relationship with God that you walk with him in such a way and please him in all that you do that you start out on a journey walking with him and you just keep right on walking and you disappear because God took you. You didn't experience death, didn't experience the pain, nothing. You just disappeared <laughs> because God took you. And that's where we get, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God. I want to please God with all of my fiber, all of my being. I want to please God. How about you? Do you want to please God? In my talk, I want to please God. In my walk, I want to please God. In my life in general, I want what I do to please God. I'm not so concerned about pleasing man. Man can do nothing for me but disappoint me. But when we please God, there's something about his blessings are more evident when we please God. Noah, by faith, built an ark where there was no rain ever. And he stood on faith that when God told him it's going to rain and I want you to build this ark that Noah didn't question God. He says, okay, I'm going to do this because I believe in who you are. And when everybody else talked about Noah, laughed at him, criticized him. He stood the test of time. And in the end, we know the story. We know the history. The rains came and all those that were not, as they say, in the ark of safety died. Abraham, Father Abraham, we call him by faith. What did he do? He left his home not having any idea where he was going. Can you do that? Do you have that type of faith that if God says go, that you just up and go? No questions, no debating, no plan, no map, nothing, no GPS. God just says go. And when you get there, I will let you know. And that's some kind of faith right there. What else did he do? Bible says that Abraham offered his son as a living sacrifice, trusting that God would intervene. There's another situation 
Would you be willing to make certain sacrifices in your life that would really put your faith to work? It's easy to talk about faith. We can talk about faith all day long until we have to put our faith into action. That's where the difference is when it comes to really working our faith out physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all those areas that we have to deal with believing and trusting and hoping. Now faith, that's what we're talking about. Now faith, now, right now. What is now faith? It's a vision to see the invisible future. I want to see things now. I want to experience things now. Don't you? Sure we do. But what about when we have to wait? Can you see the invisible future now? Let's talk about some more faithful people. Sarah. We talked about Abraham, her husband. Well, Sarah, by faith, conceived and had a son that was promised to her in her old age. You know, uh, Sarah was, what, uh, 90 years old? How many of you that are above the age 35, <laughs> let's use 35, would be willing to have a son in your later years? 35, 45, 55, 65. I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to start over and have a child. I'm 60. And uh, no, I'm not trying to start over. God forbid. <laughs> I'm not trying to go back. I have three grandchildren and the youngest, I believe, is three. He's three years old. I'm not trying to run around after a three-year-old. I'm... <laughs> can't do it i'm tired already i'm tired Woo! but she had faith in god even though she laughed she still was blessed to have a son in her old age because god promised and the list goes on you have isaac jacob joseph moses joshua rahab gideon barak samson jepheth David, Samuel, and the prophets all are recorded in the Hall of Faith because they live by great faith. All of them, they all had to have vision to see the invisible future. Do you have that kind of faith to see past where you are to where you need to be in your life? It is almost impossible to separate faith and hope and vision but these men and women all died in faith. And although they did not receive the tangible fulfillment of God's promises, they did see them from a distance. Every one of them. Their journey was all about faith. It was all about hope and it was all about vision. It was about seeing the invisible future. Can you see the invisible future? Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of hope? And do you have that kind of vision to see what is not yet 
but believe it to be so. That's some strong faith. As a leader, in whatever capacity you serve, you must have five qualities to stand out. Not only as a leader, but as a child of God. Write these down, if you will. Number one is faith. To know that it is yours. We talked about our opening. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. That's another version of Hebrews 11 and 1. The Bible talks about having faith. You can find verses throughout the Bible that encourage you to have faith. Look at Psalms 46 and 10. Reader says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. We have to be still. Faith makes us be still at times. Because when you exercise faith, that means you're willing to wait on the things that God has promised you. Not in a waiting aspect of doing nothing, but in your waiting, pray. In your waiting, fast. In your waiting, read his word. In your waiting, continue to do his will. Just don't sit there because he says, be still. No, be still, but yet be active in the things of God. John 8, 24 says, unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Do you have that kind of faith to know that God is who he says he is? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How do you hear? Well, you're listening to me. You listen to other ministers, you listen to other preachers, you listen to other speakers that are talking about God's goodness. That's hearing, comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Exercising your faith is learning how to listen to the word of God. Number two is vision. To see it before you see it. That's vision. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about vision in the Bible. One I especially like is Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You have to have a vision. God gives you purpose. He gives you vision. He gives you vision to see it before you see it. There's natural vision, spiritual vision. You have to use these effectively. In 1 John 4 and 1, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Many people are following false gods, false prophets, false apostles, false pastors and teachers, because they're teaching contrary to the word of God. And the Bible says, 
believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. You got to have spiritual vision in order to see things that are not of God. There's a lot of people walking and talking that they're of God and their fruits do not show evidence that they are truly one of God's. Number three, confidence. Do you have the confidence needed to work for the Lord? Do you have confidence in the promises of God? I have the confidence to know that God is going to continue to bless. He's going to continue to move. He's going to continue to work. He's going to continue to loose. He's going to continue to break the chains of those that are bound Confidence is a very popular subject today in our world because everybody's talking about confidence. We are told to think confidently. You know, those self-help groups, those coaches, those mentors that talk about confidence. Be self-assured. Live brassly. Live bold. Live brazen. Go out there and grind. I don't know about you, but I want to make a legacy more than living. It's what I leave behind that matters. Did you know that the word confidence is used 54 times in the King James Version? And it's actually used 60 times in the New International Version. The Bible says there are some things we should not have confidence in as well. He says, have no confidence in the flesh in Philippians 3.3. 3. Paul wrote these words to counter the claims of those that thought they were acceptable to God based on their hereditary, based on their training, based on their religious devotion. You know what? God is not a respecter of person, as it says in Acts 10.34. God doesn't show partiality. Doesn't matter what our resume says. Doesn't matter what our genealogy is. Doesn't matter to God confidence our confidence comes from our relationship with christ and with that confidence we know that we are high priest and through his intercession whose intercession christ intercession we can as hebrew says 416 as the writer says Approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's confidence. It's one thing to have natural confidence. But what we ought to strive for is biblical self-confidence. Oh, we can have self-confidence naturally. But to have biblical self-confidence is really a confidence in God's word and character. Why do I say that? Because we put no confidence in our flesh, but we have every confidence in God who made us, called us and saved us. And he keeps us. That's biblical self-confidence. Number four. Hunger. A drive that is unstoppable. Les Brown used to say, you have to be hungry. <laughs> 
if you're going after it, you got to be hungry. You got to have a determination that will not be stopped. You got to have a mindset that will not be deterred from what you're going after. My wife has a determination that when she puts her mind to something, look out. Nothing gets in the way. Nothing hinders her. She has her mind set on achieving a certain goal, and she goes after it. Why? Because she's hungry. <laughs> you got to be hungry. You got to go after it with all tenacity. Don't allow anything or anybody to get in your way, hinder you. People will laugh at you. Family will talk about you. They'll tease you. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, you're, you're just extra. Yeah, I'm extra all right. I'm about to make some extra income. I'm about to make some extra moves. It's not until you make those moves and you're successful in those moves that people that laughed at you and said you were extra, said you were tripping, said you're doing too much, now look at you and go, wow, wow, I wish I would. No, it's too late for you to be wishing. You should have jumped on board when you were talking about me. But you know what? Even in that, you can start right where you are. You have to be hungry for it. Are you hungry for the word of God? Are you hungry for God? All it's really saying is, do you desire for God? Is there a driving desire to do his will? Hunger. It's a desire to want more of him. So what does it really mean to hunger for God, to be hungry for his will? You know, the word hunger, by definition, it means having a strong desire or craving, displaying the need for food. That's what it is naturally. But in reality, hunger is not just for food. Hear me on this. We as humans, we also crave physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual nourishment. We are needy beings, and this is what we need to fulfill that longing desire in our soul is to have more of God. We need to feed on his word. We need to digest every word of God in our life. Hunger, hunger for God. It's really not found anywhere in the Bible, that, that phrase, hunger for God. The Son of Man, however, revealed to the disciples, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied in Matthew 5, 6. But while it seems that no one or nothing in this world can give us true satisfaction, Jesus promised that those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness what? They will be filled. They will be satisfied. Are you hungry? Last one, number five, resolve. Resolve what? Resolve. It's your dreams, not your memories, must consume you. Well, that's a good one. Your dreams, not your memories, must consume you you must make up in your mind that it's not over until god says it's over 
Your dreams must consume you. Your goals must consume you. We allow our memories to consume us of what we didn't achieve, what we didn't accomplish, what we could have done, who stopped us, who got in the way, who hindered us. We think about all of what we could have been. Well, stop thinking about all of what you could have been and think about what you are going to be, what you're going to succeed in, what you're going to accomplish, what you're going to be successful at. Because it's not over until God says it's over. That's your resolve. Those are five qualities that you must have in your life as a leader and as a child of God in your life as a Christian, in your life as a follower of Christ, or better yet, in your life as a child of God. There is no other component that is more important than your faith. What are we talking about today? We're talking about now faith, vision to see the invisible future. Hope is great also. We talk about hope in our scripture reading, faith and hope go hand in hand and they go hand in hand in what we believe to be so. If we have faith in our Lord and Savior, this means we completely trust him for our eternal destiny. Do you trust him for your eternal destiny? Do you really trust him that much? Biblical hope is built on faith. Hope is the earnest anticipation that comes with believing something good. You know, hope is a confident expectation that naturally stems from the faith. Hope is a peaceful assurance that something hasn't happened yet will indeed happen. It may not have happened already, but you already believe in your mind and in your heart that it will happen someday. It's like this. Paul said in Romans 8.24, hope that is seen is no hope at all. He says, who hopes for what they already have? If you already have it, why are you hoping for it? If you already have it, why are you wishing for it? That makes no sense, right? But what you don't have is what you're hoping for. You're hoping for the job. You're hoping for the blessing, you're hoping for the miracle, you're hoping for the wife, you're hoping for the husband. Well, at least some of you are. <laughs> you might not have that wish or desire, but there are some out there that's hoping for that. You might be hoping and wishing they go away. <laughs> that's the wrong kind of hope and wishing, y'all. Pray about that one. We can buy a lot of things in the world today, can we not? If we have the money to do so. But here's a fact. Faith is not something that we can purchase. It cannot be sold. It cannot be bought and sold on the market. Nor can we just give it away to our family and friends. This isn't a phone plan. Uh, you know all those phone plans back in the day. Hey, introduce us to your family and friends. No, you can't pass out faith like that. But what is faith? Let's talk about that. That's a good question. People talk about faith, but do they really know what faith is? And there's some that hear faith and they say, well, what is faith? And in the life of a Christian, what role does faith play? 
looking at the word faith up in the dictionary, it defines faith as belief in, devotion to, or trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. Do you need logical proof in order to believe in something, in order to believe in somebody? Or do you just go off blind faith and say, you know what? I'm just going to believe in that person because I feel good about them. I believe in that thing because I know it's going to work out. We need logical proof. Some of us, you know, if we don't see that the door is open. We don't believe the door is open before we get there. We have to see it. We have to logically see. Give me logical proof that that door is going to be open when I get there. It also defines faith as belief in and devotion to God. That's what the dictionary says. Now, that right there ought to let us know the dictionary wasn't written by an atheist. Because for one, they're not going to have belief and devotion in God because they claim there is no God. And according to the Bible, faith is a belief in the one true God without actually seeing him. A lot of people have trouble believing what they don't see. Is it Missouri, the show me state? I think it's Missouri. They say, yes, the show me state. You got to show me first before I believe it. Now, inside of our key verse that we read earlier, Hebrews 11.1, 1, there are two particularly very important words that jumped out. And it talked about these two words in demonstrating faith. And those two words is the substance and the evidence. They jump right out of the page to me, the substance and the evidence. Let's look at those two. What is a substance? Well, let me give you three key points here on what substance is number one it's reality the state or quality of having existence or substance substance is reality the state or quality of having existence number two is assurance what is assurance confidence there's that word confidence or certainty in one's own ability assurance and number three, things hoped for. It's a desire to want something to happen or to be true. Things hoped for. That's what the substance was. What's the evidence? The evidence. Number one, there's three key points here too. Number one, it's the proof. Evidence or argument. Establishing the truth of a statement. We hear debates. And there's arguments going back and forth trying to establish the truth of one's statement. That's why we need to have fact checkers during debates. Once somebody makes a statement, somebody needs to look that up and make sure that the statement is actually true. The proof. What's the proof in your statement? You go to court. They want proof. Number two is conviction. What's conviction? A firmly held belief or opinion. Do you have conviction in your belief? Do you have conviction in your faith? Do you have conviction in what you're doing? Conviction. Number three is things not seen. They're not visible to the naked eye. That's the evidence. 
Now, when we talk about things not seen, can you see it before you see it? That's strong faith. Now, as we get deeper into our lesson, this is going to be a little longer than normal. I think I'm going to take an hour for this particular lesson because there's too much to just cut it off right now because we're at that halfway point and I want to be able to finish this tonight. You know, there are two important questions that surface in our lesson text tonight. Number one is where does faith come from? And number two, why have faith? Faith is not something that we just conjure up on our own. Faith isn't something that any of us are born with. Faith is not a result of us diligently studying or pursuing the spiritual. But, you know, there are some that object to this being blind faith. However, when I think about that particular statement and those that object to this being blind faith, the writer of Hebrews 11.1 described faith as a conviction of certainty about what cannot be seen. This kind of faith motivated men and women of faith in the past to live for God and trust him to fulfill his promises to them. That's blind faith, if you ask me. I'm going on the belief that it's going to happen because God said it's going to happen. So I'm going to walk in it. And while I'm walking in it, I'm trusting that it's going to produce by the time I get to the end. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, makes it very clear that faith is a gift from God. Not because we deserve it. Not that we have earned it. You can't earn faith. And not that we are worthy of it. I know myself, I'm not worthy of this gift. Faith is not from ourselves. Faith is from God. Faith is not obtained by our power or our free will. Faith is simply given to us by God along with his grace and mercy, according to his holy plan and purpose. And because of that, he gets all the glory. So answer to my question, where does faith come from? You'll find the answer in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where Paul says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Here's the answer. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So where does faith come from? Faith comes from God. Very good. You get it. A. Now, first Peter. One. Eight and nine says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith. What's the goal of our faith? The salvation of our souls. 
We haven't seen him, but we love him. We don't see him now, but we yet believe that he is. So that brings us to number two, why have faith? We know now where faith comes from, but why have faith? Faith was designed by God to distinguish between those who belong to him and those that did not belong to him. We find that the Bible is filled with people of faith and how we should live by faith and how important it is to have faith. In fact, it is so important that without faith, we have no place with God and it is impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I referenced this early in our lesson. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. We're talking about two important questions that surface in our text of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Where does faith come from and why have faith? Well, simply put, ladies and gentlemen, we need faith to please God. It pleases God that we believe in him, even though we cannot physically see him. Don't let people give you a hard time because you believe in a God you can't see. Everything around us is evidence, is proof that there is a God. I can't see the wind, but when it blows, I see the effects of the wind lets me know, hey, there's wind because the leaves are blowing. A key part of Hebrews 11 and 6 is this. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. But this is not the reason we have faith in God just to get the goodies from him. God loves to bless those who are obedient and faithful. So if you are obedient and you're faithful, God loves to bless you. Do you want to be blessed? Then be obedient and be faithful to him. It's always going to be a condition. That's the fine print. You will be blessed. That's the large print. The small print says, but you have to be obedient and faithful to him. So why have faith? That's the question. Because having faith saves us from our sins. Let me say that again. So why have faith? Because having faith saves us from our sins. You know, there was a woman in Luke 7. If you read 36 through 50, I believe it is, it talks about a woman that was full of sin and everyone that knew her and knew of her knew her because of her sinful lifestyle. People will know you by your sinful lifestyle. And in many cases, it is when you hear a person's name that their lifestyle is what precedes them. For example, I'm going to call out a few names. And let's just see what comes to mind according to their lifestyle. You remember when you hear these names, good or bad. You ready? 
for those that might remember, Jeffrey Dahmer, what comes to mind about him, good or bad? What comes to my mind is he ate people. (laughs) Martin Luther King Jr., what comes to mind about him? Civil rights leader, Michael Jackson, what comes to mind about him? Pop star, Adolf Hitler, oh my God, what comes to mind when you hear that name and his sinful lifestyle? Hater of Jews, Mother Teresa, what comes to mind when you hear her name? A woman of great peace, a woman of great love, a woman that loved God and was on a mission in her life to help others. Okay, how about the Apostle Paul? Woo, what comes to mind when you think about the Apostle Paul? Let me give you one even better. How about Christ Jesus? What comes to mind about these people's lifestyle when you hear their names? In the story that I was just talking about, the woman that was known by her sinful lifestyle. In the story, Jesus is engaged in fellowship with a Pharisee. And while he was sitting with them at the table talking, a woman, and I say a woman of the night, heard he was there. And she came into the house, and when she came into the house, she brought an alabaster flask full of fragrant oil. And the Bible tells us that she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And while she was weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears and then wiped them with the hair on her head. Not only that, she kissed his feet and anoint them with the fragrant oil. Now, here we see a glimpse of why faith is so rewarding. Jesus told this sinful woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The woman believed in Jesus by faith, and he rewarded her for it, while everyone else was so concerned about who she was and what she did in her life, they could not see how broken she was, how tired of her lifestyle she was. But Jesus saw past all she did and focused on what she was now doing. You might be tired in your life, sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're broken. Life has just beat you up and beat you down. You're at the point of no return. But then you hear about a man that happened to be fellowshipping with some other people. And you happen to stop by. And in your stopping by, you fall down at his feet. You realize that your sin has gotten the best of you. And through your faith, you give your life to him. You give everything that has been hurting you to him. And he looks at you and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus pointed out that since he had been in the house, 
No one else washed his feet. No one else wiped them with the hair on their heads. No one kissed him, nor did they anoint his head with oil. But this woman has not ceased to kiss his feet since they came in the house. She was broken. She was hurt. She was done. This was her way of crying out for help. This was her way of repenting. This was her way of giving it all up to him. We seem to take for granted those we are often around. But those that are not privileged to be that close seem to have more respect and reverence for the man or woman of God. Jesus told them at the table, therefore, I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. In other words, you claim to love me so much. And if you really did love me that much, you would be the one in this woman's place. But yet they hung out with Jesus. They walked around with Jesus. They listened to Jesus. They were there all the time around him. But yet so many things they missed out on. We can miss out on so many things because we're too close to the source. We need to back up and look to see where we really are. It was her faith that saved her, not her works. It was the faith not the works. It is the faith that sustains us to the end, knowing that by faith we will be in heaven with God for all eternity. We know about those that demonstrated great faith. Talked about it earlier. Abel offered a pleasing sacrifice. Noah prepared an ark. Abraham left his home, obeyed God, didn't know where he was going. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Rahab received the spies of Israel and saved her life. Most people today in church and out of church have a vague, disjointed notion of who God is, but lack the reverence necessary for his exalted position in their lives. And that's sad to think about. These same people lack the true faith needed to have an eternal relationship with the God who loves them. According to the Bible, faith is essential for Christianity. Without demonstrating faith and trust in God, we have no place with him. It's by faith that we believe in God's existence true faith and trust that he is who he says he is. As we bring this to a close, you know, our faith can falter at times, but because it is the gift of God given to his children, he provides times of trials and testing in order to prove that our faith is real and to be sharpened and strengthen it. Therefore, James tells us to consider it pure joy when we fall into trials because the testing of our faith produces perseverance and matures us 
providing the evidence that our faith is real. James 1, 2 through 4. My brothering, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The relationship between faith, hope, and vision, it can be illustrated in the joy that a child feels when he hears his father tell him that they're going to go to Disneyland tomorrow. The child believes that he will go to Disneyland based on his father's word. That is faith. At the same time, that belief within the child kindles an irrepressible joy. That's hope. The child's natural trust in his father's promise is the faith. The child squeals and delight in jumping up and down with joy in place are the expressions of hope and seeing himself on many of the rides at Disneyland tomorrow. That's vision. Faith. The vision to see the invisible future because faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Hope is looking to the reality of the future. Without faith, there is no hope. Without hope, there is no faith. We are people of faith and hope. We have the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, Promised before the beginning of time, Titus 1 and 2. So by now, you should know where faith comes from and why we have faith. And I'm going to ask you again, can you see the invisible future? Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of hope? Do you have that kind of vision to see what is not yet but believe it to be so. Do you have the five qualities of what makes you a great leader or child of God that will stand out? Do you have the faith to know that it's yours? Do you have the vision to see it before you see it? Do you have the confidence in the promises of God? You want to make a legacy more than a living. Do you have the hunger, the drive that is unstoppable? And again, as Les Brown would say, you have to be hungry and resolve. Your dreams, not your memories, must consume you. You must make up in your mind that it's not over until God says it's over. I want to give you an opportunity right now to exercise your faith and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you would like to join the family of God, pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you admitting that I am a sinner in need of prayer. Right now, I choose to turn away from my sin. And I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I desire to be set free right now and I ask you to forgive me of my sin I believe that your son Christ Jesus died on the cross to take away my sins 
I also believe that he rose again from the dead so that I might be forgiven of my sins and made righteous through faith in him. I call upon the name of Christ Jesus and confess him to be my Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, I choose to follow you. And I ask you to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you heard my prayer and I believe that you have forgiven me. I believe that I am free from sin and full of the righteousness of God. I declare that right now I am a child of God and I believe that I'm saved in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I welcome you to the family of God. From this moment on, start learning how to live a life of faith by finding a good Holy Spirit-filled Bible-taught church so that you can grow in your faith as you walk the pathway to Christ. Write to me. Share your story of faith. Let me know that you said yes to Jesus. Email me at lifeswordministry at gmail.com. I would also like to take this time to thank those of you that partner with us by sowing a financial seat into this ministry regularly. You know, we are a listener supported podcast and your generous giving allows us to share the gospel throughout the world. And if you're not a partner and you would like to sow into this ministry, you can do so by going to paypal.me forward slash life's word ministry. And be sure to order a copy of my brand new book, Pathway to Christ. Not to worry, it is available in several different languages. You can go to Amazon and purchase it there. Or if you would like a personally autographed copy, you can go to paypal.me forward slash Malachi 660 forward slash 20. But be sure to include your mailing address and we will put you on a list for me to autograph your book and then we'll mail it right out to you. And we'll even pay the shipping for you. And be sure to subscribe and follow us right here on Life's Word Podcast. For more information, go to www.lifeswordministry.org. And remember, God loves you, and I do too. Well, that concludes our podcast for today. I trust you were blessed and enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to tune in again right here on Life's Word Podcast.